0: well good morning my name is Aaron Scanlon I'm the worship and youth pastor here at Sunlight Community Church and I'm excited to get another opportunity to preach this morning we are glad you're here and uh, as we open God's Word we just know that he has said that it's not going to return void Uh, so we're going to be continuing in this series letters to leaders and uh, today we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 16. Is there anyone who doesn't want to be known as a good person? I've titled this sermon, Don't Be Good. Uh, but what it isn't about is, don't be good, be great. No, rather it's about, are you building your life around being good? Or are you building your life around God it's about what we're hoping for what we're training for what's most important to us so before we open God's Word let's pray God we're so thankful to have another chance to gather together Uh, and God we get this opportunity to as you say in this passage publicly proclaim and read your word, proclaim your name, God, and lift you up. And, and we just pray that you would give us soft hearts this morning and open the ears to hear what you have to say from your word. And if it's challenging to us, God, to listen and to respond. So we just pray that you would move this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you're using a device uh, right inside our app, right at the top, you can click that. It'll take you to uh, the U-version Bible event, and it's got all the passages right there for you. So let's look at verses 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with the reverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. At the beginning there, we see that Paul says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. So what are these things? Well, as Pastor John has been preaching here over the last couple of weeks in the beginning of 1 Timothy, Paul is talking about false teachers. People who were coming in and were teaching things contrary to what the apostles had already said and taught. And they were twisting that. And they were also adding to it. So Timothy was put into a position to correct these false teachings to the church. Not correct the false teachers, but to help the church see what the truth was. And then we see this big idea here in the passage about training. Because if you want to be a leader, you need to train. We see here in the first few verses that Timothy has been trained in the words of the faith and trained to know and follow good doctrine. There were lots of teachers and lots of teachings And most of it was not good. And the same is true today. There are thousands of writers and speakers and teachers and and healers, and they all have something to sell us or to share with us. And most of it isn't good doctrine. But we're also not supposed to be the doctrine police. Paul is calling Timothy here to completely avoid getting into arguments about stuff that that just doesn't matter. We're to protect the faith, but we're not intended to be on Facebook correcting everyone that is wrong. No, we need to be trained in God's Word. And we also see here that, that Paul is making a comparison between physical training and spiritual training. Because physical training has some value but spiritual training has value in every way and we got a picture here of usain bolt physical training it has some value it's it's good and usain bolt in case you don't know is the fastest man in the history of the world i mean look at his physique Those muscles, they're just ripped. He has devoted his entire life to train his body for power and speed. And you can see it. I mean, the definition in his muscles are ridiculous. And it's admirable. It is admirable to to be disciplined and work out. God has given us our bodies and our abilities and we're to care for our bodies and to use our gifts it's good to be healthy and to maximize our talents. And it takes a lot of hard work and training to become the fastest man in the world. But we also we know what an unhealthy obsession our culture and our world has about the way we look. And the amount of magazines alone pertaining to bodybuilding and losing weight and working out is staggering. It's not that it isn't important to care for our bodies. It's just that it's not what's most important. And in many ways, our culture reflects the culture of the Greeks. And the Greeks worshipped their their physique for personal glory. They invented the Olympics as a way to to show off the magnificence of their bodies and their physical capabilities in sport. And they would, would bear their entire bodies for the world so that they could show off the pride of their bodies and what they could do. But that shouldn't be our main focus. Our main focus should be the health of our spiritual body. Instead of bearing our physical bodies before the world, we should be bearing our souls before God. Not partially covering or or, or trying to hide anything from God. It's not like he doesn't see it anyway, but being completely open to him. Our training priorities need to be on the spiritual first and foremost. Now check out this guy. Usain Bolt's body is nice, but I don't think he can touch George Mueller. This guy's body, let me tell you. George Mueller uh, was a man who felt called to care for orphans in the 1800s in England. And he is still an example to us 200 years later because of his faithfulness and his discipline in prayer and waiting on the Lord. There are several stories of times where he and the orphans did not have what they needed at the orphanage, but with prayer, God always came through. Including one time when they we were about to have breakfast, but there was no food. So George called everybody into the dining hall, and he had everyone sit down, and he prayed, and he asked God for him to provide for them, and he thanked God for the food that wasn't even there. And just after he prayed, there was a knock on the door, and it was the local baker, and he said, I couldn't sleep last night, God was telling me that I need to make bread for you guys today. And so he would gotten up extra early and made bread and, and gave it to, uh, to George for the orphans. And as soon as he got back to the dining hall, another knock came on the door and he went back to the door and there was the local milkman and he said, my cart just broke down and by the time the guy gets here to fix my wheel, the milk's going to be spoiled. So do you guys have any need for milk? (laughs) He said, yes, we do. And of course, it was just exactly how much they needed for that day. The truly inspiring and amazing thing to me, though, about George Mueller is that he didn't grow up in some amazing Christian home, and he wasn't always some amazing man of faith. No, he grew up a rich Spoiled son of a wealthy lawyer. It was well known that he regularly would go into hotels and and stay there, but then run out in the morning before he paid. He even got arrested for it once. He loved to go to bars and constantly was getting in trouble for drinking too much. He loved to make fun of Christians, and one time he was invited to a Bible study and he decided he wanted to go just so he could make fun of the Christians that were there. But when he went, he was confronted with God and the reality of who he is. And it was so evident in the people who were there studying God's word and how God was real in their lives that it changed him. And it was from then on that he started praying and putting his hope in God for all that he needed. He put his complete hope in faith, and trust in God's provision through prayer. He put himself completely out there before the Lord and before others. Because if God had not come through, he would look really stupid. But God did come through again and again and again. And so we see here in verses 7 and 8 that we're to train ourselves for godliness And godliness is about the gospel. It's about the gospel. We've got it twisted. We see the opposite of godliness as ungodliness. That's that's often what we think. We think godly and ungodly actions. But the opposite of godliness is not ungodliness. The opposite of godliness is godlessness. Godlessness. It's about being and doing things without God in mind. But what we've done in our minds is we've turned godliness into goodliness. And we think that it's about being good. Don't be good. Be godly. So what is godliness? It's rightly relating to God. It's about our relationship with him. Being good is about our attempts, but godliness is about his works. What Jesus has done for us, the gospel, the good news, he is risen, the risen Lord in all power and authority, seen by people on earth and believed. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness, He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Jesus rose from the dead and proved that he was who he said he was. That he is God and he has authority over not just all of creation, but even over death. And as a matter of history, he physically went and saw over 500 of his followers. And they saw the truth and the reality that he is risen from the dead and that he is God. And that he did what he said he would do. He sacrificed himself for us. Here he is the creator of everything. And yet he died for us. Godliness is about knowing this. That's the good news. The hope we have in the power of a risen Savior. It's about what he has done for us. Not anything that we have done. And we say, hallelujah. Because if it was up to us and what we've done, we would all be doomed. Because we're failures. None of us has lived a perfect life. None of us has any real power to change anything in our lives. And the truth is, this world is a mess. And our lives are a mess without God. But we can train in godliness. And godliness is about the gospel. Knowing it, believing it, following it, and teaching it. We have to know what the good news is, not just have a head knowledge about it or, or understand it. No, we have to believe it's true and believe that it's true in such a way that it changes us and makes us want to follow Jesus and what he's called us to do in our lives. And as we know what the good news is and believe it and follow it, we will teach it to others. We're supposed to follow him and make disciples, teaching them everything that Jesus taught us. It's the great commission that we see in Matthew 28. He said all authority has been given unto him and he's given us that power and authority not to be good people on earth, no, to tell other people about the good news and make disciples of Jesus, to share the hope that we have from what he's done to those who are hopeless in this world. And without Jesus, we are all hopeless. But who should do this? Who should be teaching and leading? Well, let's look at 1 Timothy 4, and now we're going to look at verses 11 through 16. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Hey, we're following this verse right now. That's awesome. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We are all called to be an example, no matter how old we are. We're called to set an example in speech. That's our words that we say. We're called to be an example in our conduct, in the actions and what we do. We're called to set an example in love, and the way that we care for others. We're called to be an example in our faith and our relationship with God. And we're called to be an example in purity with our bodies. And it doesn't matter how old you are. If you know Jesus, you are training in godliness and setting an example to those around you. Your words and your actions and the way that you care for others and the faith that you have in God in all purity should be an example. It is the right way that God has asked us to live. So, don't neglect your gift. Paul was speaking specifically to Timothy here in the way that he had been called to lead people in Ephesus. And Paul had left him there as a trusted leader in Paul's place, even though he was a young man. But we are all called to be leaders, to set an example for others, to let the movement of God in us be evident to others so that they may also have faith and hope in Jesus. Don't hide your light under a bushel basket. Let it shine. Practice so that everyone can see God's work in your life. We need to be immersed in the good news, in God's word. We need to be keeping a close watch on ourselves and what we are teaching, because it has the power of life and death not just for now and this world, but for eternity. To rightly know God and being in relationship with Him is our salvation. And to share that with others can be their salvation as well. So what? What does this all mean to us? Well, first of all, Get back in the gym. For some of us, the first step may be that we just need to get back in the gym. And for others, if you've been working out, uh, it's really easy after a while. You kind of see progress and then you just sort of plateau. And, and then it's it's hard. Just like it's hard to get back to the gym that first time, it's hard once you've kind of hit a rut. To take it to that next level. Uh, so maybe what you need to do is journal and see how God is moving in your life. My daughter Molly and I have been going to the Y and working out four times a week, and we lift weights together and we do cardio. And uh, we just have a little note that I keep on my iPhone, and it, it tracks how many reps we've done, how many sets, the different type of exercises we do, and and how much weight we do on those. And it's just a really simple and easy way for us to track uh, what have we been doing, where are we at. And then we can also uh, each day look at it and follow and say, you know what, it's time for me to up my weights. I'm not where Charlie's at yet, but I'm working on it. You know, we got to keep progressing because it's easy. Uh, When I was working out with Jeff, eventually it was like, and I'm not seeing results anymore. I was like, all right, well, let's change up our program. Let's add some different uh, workout uh, things into what we're doing. Because it's really easy to get in a rut, right? So if you feel dry in your faith, if you feel like you're just kind of going through the motions, first of all, get in the Word. Write down where you're at in a journal. And start praying and tracking what God is doing. Maybe that just means uh, that you write down uh, things that are happening in your life and and what God is doing. Maybe it's a a prayer journal and you start writing down the things you're praying for and then marking down how God has responded and, and what he's done to answer those prayers. Just anything you write down to keep track of where you're at. And so you know that you don't get stuck and you can see where you need... To progress and lastly, don't be good. We're not called to train to be good people, we're training to know the good news, to believe it, and follow Jesus in such a way that others see how it has changed our lives. That's that's part of our mission statement, right? We want to see God move through us not to be good but to be godly and see God move let's pray God we're so thankful for your word so thankful that we have the opportunity to carry with us all that you've done for us and as we even saw a few weeks ago, you know, you used to call the Israelites to build altars and to put up reminders so they could see what you had done and they could teach to their children and later generations how you would come through for them, what you had done, the miraculous way that you move in our lives, God. And we confess that we sometimes take it for granted and we don't pick up your word so God, we just pray that, that we would just get into it, that we would just start, that we would get up off the couch and get back in the gym and get into your word, God, and see what it is that you have to say to us. And God, we, we want to be uh, people who can be an example to our community and our world and those around us in our circles. So God, we just pray that you would show us new again today this week show us your love your grace your mercy that you've given to us because when we really see the reality of you god the power you have and the love and care you have for us even though you are all powerful you don't neglect us you it's not that you don't care It, it would be expected for you to think that we're not worth paying attention to, and yet you pay attention to every single detail in our lives. So God, may we see that this week, and may we reflect the hope that you've given to us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.